0: This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands.
1: Sadio Mane headed in his 22nd goal of the season to keep the Premier League title race alive as Liverpool came from behind to beat Aston Villa. Welcome along everyone to the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel with me, Patrick Smith, as we react to Liverpool drawing level at the top of the Premier League with Man City, lying just three goals behind before City play Wolves tomorrow. The Reds fell behind early on after Douglas Luiz capitalised on some hesitant defending which followed a missed offside call on Villa's Ollie Watkins. But Liverpool reacted quickly and a scrappy finish from Joel Matip after some pinball in the Villa box had us level on the night. Then during the second half, a brilliant individual moment from Luis Diaz enabled Sadio Mane to not hone the winner for all three points. A crucial comeback win for the Reds has kept the quadruple dream alive, but the injury withdrawal of Fabinho is a huge cause for concern and one that will hopefully be answered in the coming days. On tonight's pod, though, we've got all the reaction you need with Paul Gorsh from Villa Park, Jurgen Klotz press conference, and the travelling cop faithful.
0: The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
2: Liverpool have gone level on points with Manchester City at the top of the Premier League after one of the hardest fought victories of the season here at Villa Park tonight. It's finished 2 1. Uh, Liverpool were 1 0 down inside four minutes when. Um, Strange incident, in all honesty. Ollie Watkins got in behind Liverpool's defence and fired the shot at Alison Becker, but he was offside, but uh, because the ball didn't go out of play, the, the delayed flag didn't go up, uh, Villa continued to play on and Luca Dean crossed in for uh, Douglas Luiz. His header was initially saved by Alison Becker before the Brazilian midfielder tapped in and gave Villa a dream start for the goal. Probably shouldn't have countered, but uh, Liverpool refused to uh, lick the wounds and feel for sorry for themselves. Joel Mat have got them back into it almost instantly he uh, poked home after uh, Virgil van Dijk had been denied by Emmy Martinez in the goal and it was a bit of a strange half in all honesty um, Fabinho was forced off with an injury we're waiting to hear from Jürgen Klopp about the extent of that one keep, uh, keep your eyes peeled to the Libuleco website for that one uh, a suspected hamstring injury hopefully it's not that serious but uh, it could quite them out of uh, Saturday's FA Cup final against Chelsea at Wembley but uh, as I said we will await the update on that one um, Liverpool were kind of in control at certain bits of the game but had always felt like they had a little bit of a threat on the counter-attack with those balls in behind for Danny Ings and Olly Watkins to chase um, another hard-fought second half, Liverpool didn't really create too many chances Jürgen Klopp brought on uh, Mohamed Salah and uh, Thiago Alcantara um, and Thiago had a and inadvertent hand in the goal. It was a clearance that actually hit him near the halfway line. Jota uh, was sent scampering away, but well, rather Jota sent Diaz scampering away down the left. He crossed for Mane, and uh, it was a wonderful header. He didn't even jump. He kind of just strained his neck away from where Martinez was in the goal and tucked it away into the bottom corner to give Liverpool a 2-1 win uh, or 2-1 lead at the time. Danny Ings thought he'd made it 2-2 later on, but he was offside. This time the flag did go up, and Liverpool were eventually uh, able to survive with uh, maximum points here at Villa Park as we say, one of the Suffolkians of the season, um, City- Manchester City are still going to play Steven Gerrard's Villa on the final day of the season, we shall await to see if there's any twist in the tail later on in the Premier League title race, but for now, will have kept up there, end of the bargain, it's all they can do at this stage is continue to put the pressure on City, it's now over to uh, Pep Guardiola's side who play uh, Wolves at Molineux on Wednesday night and we shall await yeah, I'll cover that one, but it's finished here. Another tough one for Liverpool when it's finished. Uh, Aston Villa 1 Liverpool 2.
0: The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances at Villa Park, we're unable to bring you the managers' press conferences. The Jurgen Klopp did have a lot to say. Firstly, Klopp believes Manchester City are buying a beast in Erling Haaland as he urged his Liverpool players to keep ignoring Pep Guardiola's side. When asked if the signing would make City stronger, the Reds boss replied, A lot. Good player. City was never and will never be a team that wins because of one player. They have a specific way to play and I think Erling will all of a sudden realise that he will score a lot of goals at the second post where he just puts his foot on it. He will love that. He is a real beast. The Liverpool boss was also asked about Fabinho's injury, claiming, I don't know. He felt a muscle, not too much. It was not the thigh, but not the other side. He is quite positive, but I'm not sure what I can take of that, to be honest. We will see. In place of the press conferences, I caught up with the Liverpool Echo LFC correspondent, Theo Squires, live from Villa Park at full time.
0: The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
3: And I'm delighted to be joined by Theo Squires from the Villa Park
4: Press Box. So, Theo, job done just about, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think everyone, when Villa scored that early goal, you're thinking, oh no, not again. Having that horrible flashbacks to that 7-2 last season. Um, Watkins had got in moments before and Alice had to deny him. And there were times where Villa were looking so threatening early on. But then, thankfully, Liverpool got an equaliser very quickly through Joel Matip. At times, they looked in control. at Others, but they had to work hard for it. But the second half, they, they were more or less... They did enough. They were on top. A great goal from my great cross from Diaz to set it up to get it 2 1. Uh, Danny Ings had so many chances to uh, come back to haunt his old club. Fortunately, the one time he did get it past Alisson, the flag was up for offside. Um, it, it wasn't the emphatic win Liverpool would have needed, but at this point, it's just getting the points on the board. You never know. As long as you get the three points, uh, City might slip up at some point and you're there in that position to take advantage. Uh, one downer for being off injured in the first half. We'll find out shortly uh, what the prognosis is there. Um, hopefully he's not too serious and he'll be OK for the FA Cup final. Uh, that might be a bit of a stretch. I think everyone would just say, be OK for the Champions League final. Um, but yeah, it's job done, isn't it? That's all you can ask for from the at this stage of the season. They're not at their free-flowing best, but then no side would be when they're challenging for a quadruple in, what, the middle of May. you are going to get tired, they're going to get leggy. It's about getting the results in whatever competition you're in, and that's what they've done here tonight. What exactly happens to most teams anyway, let alone playing every game physically
3: possible at the start of the season. We've got so much to talk about. We will move on to Bino, because that is, of course, the main wife Liverpool fans. But I'm going to start with Villa's (laughs) opener a because firstly, there's a claim for the initial Watkins offside, because he is offside, and it's bizarre to me, because if Alisson lets that shot go in and doesn't save it, the goal's probably going to get disallowed. But then Villa recycle the ball, you know, fair enough to them play on. The defending was questionable, to say the least, from Liverpool from the rebound, wasn't it?
4: Um, I've not actually seen the replay back. I know I've seen the shout saying it was offside it, and it is it's offside, definitely offside. Yeah. Um, it's just something else they need to clarify. Like, it's strange, isn't it? It's an advantage to the side if Alisson doesn't save it and it's offside. But then, they're, they're, I reckon they're a little bit unlucky from the actual goal because is outjumped, isn't he, from douglas Louise? but Watkins is on the floor and Matip's only not in the mix because he can't see Watkins behind him and he trips over him as he's going to go for the ball. It's like, no one can work against that. Uh, Alisson makes a good save and because everyone's on the floor, Louise is there to get in the rebounds. It it is a bit sloppy and it was in those first five minutes when Villa were looking like they were going to get this opening goal. They were getting in behind Liverpool any moments earlier. Alisson had to save from Watkins. Uh, It's one of those where, yes, you could say disallow it for offside, but it's the clarification of the rules. I, how often have you said, we said this in the past, that the rules aren't clear, that you'll see one decision go one week and it's not the next. Uh, it's just discretion. You want some clarity from VAR. If they could have like piped in and said, hang on. But no, it's a different stage of play, isn't it? Uh, if you can have video technology to correct calls, surely it has to be a bit more black and white. But obviously, that, that's not what we've got here tonight. And I don't think any of us are surprised by that. Uh, just be glad that Liverpool got the win and it didn't prove costly tonight.
3: Well, exactly. That's a freak goal, the way it went in. And we have developed a bad habit, I think, at Liverpool of when we know it's offside, we sort of hesitate. And I think they were waiting for that flag, which didn't come. Hence all the confusion. in The box and Louise was able to poke it in. But it was a very interesting refereeing performance all around tonight, to be fair to the Villa fans, I think. Mr Moss has some questions to answer. But the VAR one there could have definitely helped at Liverpool. But it was a formidable response, wasn't it, Theo? From a formidable side as well. Possibly one of the ugliest goals I've seen a score ever, but it doesn't really matter. Does it anything to see Joel Matip scoring and smiling once again?
4: Yeah, it was a, a proper poacher's effort from Joel Matip there. He was just in the right place in the six-yard box to poke it in after Van Dijk's. I'm going to say it was a shot and it t- took a knock off the keeper and fell to him rather than him putting in the great It did look like great a shot, ball. to be fair. yeah, But it, it could have been a pass. We, we never know. Um, <laughs> but then it all came from Tyro Mings just tripping on the ball, when he didn't really have anyone near him, Liverpool wise, from a Liverpool free kick, it's as you say, rather ugly. But when you're on one nil down, you take any equaliser, however it comes, and just be glad that the player put it in the back of the net. Um, I think it was Paul Paisley, maybe he said, Um, doesn't matter how you put it in the net, back of the net, we'll discuss the options once it's in the back of the net. Um, yeah, that's what Liverpool did, wasn't
3: it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got that crucial equaliser. but then the terrible news of the evening happened, you. Fabinho's gone down. I don't think we've had any feedback just yet on the extent of the injury, but it's really worrying signs with being so close to the end of the season with massive games to play, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it was. It, it, let's be honest, he, he had a poor first 25 minutes, whether he'd got the injury early on and he was playing through it a little bit. But Coutinho stole the ball off the midfield and something's gone he's holding the back of his leg. Um, don't want to speculate on what it could be at this point, but when he could go down, he went down, received a bit of treatment on the pitch. And then he limped off. It was obvious he wasn't going to carry on. I think it was an abdicator gesturing saying, we're going to have to make the change here and get Jordan Henderson ready. Uh, it is a worrying sight because Fabinho is so crucial to this Liverpool side. He's part of the spine. Part of the reason why they weren't at the best, say, last season when they had to put him in centre-back or as much as when he was out injured along with Van Dijk and the other centre-backs. Um, like you'd imagine Jordan Henderson is a number six. They can still win an FA Cup final. They can still get the results to at least finish second. You want him back for that Champions League final. He is going to be crucial for that one. Uh, we'll find out. Like, we could find out now if Jürgen you Klopp's know, talking to Sky Sports somewhere. I'm looking around for seeing if they've <laughs> called him over yet. But yeah, I'm sure as soon as he does his interviews, he'll offer a little bit of an update. And then we'll, the way the games are coming thick and fast, I'm sure we'll have a press conference again in like two days, won't we? So we'll find out soon enough. Uh, maybe you'd imagine as you couldn't carry on the FA Cup final, will probably come too soon for him. But we'll see. It could have just been precautionary because when you've got so many vital games, when you're challenging for every single trophy, you don't want to take risks. The Klopp had made changes so he could rotate the body, so he could rest legs. And that's why Jordan Henderson was sitting on the bench tonight. He had him to come on. It, it could go either way, and We'll see.
3: Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath for Eben Klopp making a debish debut to give us a Fabinho injury update. <laughs> but it's speculation at the moment. So let's hope, fingers crossed, there's nothing too serious it looks like it's hamstring but of course we don't know so we can't really speculate it'll be much more clear in the coming days but theo on a more positive note we did get that second goal that sends us back level at the top before city play tomorrow more brilliance again from lewis diaz with the ball in it's 22 now for the season for man 8. unreal form particularly in 2022 from him isn't it
4: you're getting a bit ambitious aren't you are we still second
3: we're level. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let it slide. Don't worry, Pat. <laughs> yeah, it was a great poacher's effort from uh, Mane as well. It was not his best performance. It wasn't his most vintage. He looked a bit, I don't know, same as some of the players, a little bit tired, not at the best. And you think if Mohamed Salah was in the form of his life as he'd been in the autumn, maybe Mane would have been the drop, one to drop out today. But he's popped up when his side, needed him to put in a, a great header. he got so much power in it to put it in that corner away from Martinez's grasp. But it was such a good play in the build-up as well from Diaz to get down the wing, pull it back onto his right foot. And it seemed to be one spot where he could put the ball to pick out his teammate and to avoid the Philadelphia of And that's exactly where he put it. Not making it easy for Mane, but making it simpler for Mane. I think it was um, Jota, wasn't it? He did the three-ball to him in the first place, a little loft down the line. That, that was a great spot as well. Jota had a good second half. Um, this front three, obviously, when you have got players in different positions, it's not played together that often. No, we saw it in Newcastle. A couple of weeks ago, uh, doesn't look as flowing, as exceptional as Salah, Mane, and Diaz has been in the past. But there's some promising signs there. Um, it was, like I said, encouraging from Jota, considering he's had a few dodgy performances recently. Um, Mane, in the second half of the season, he's been the man for the big occasion. He's stepped up on his side, need these goals. Uh, he's obviously enjoying his football at the moment. We all saw those rumours yesterday about his future and how uh, it's very uncertain, shall we say. Uh, well he's redefining himself as this striker we know how good he is out wide he's imp- putting up these important goals uh, Liverpool will have a decision to make in the summer when they do open talks because he has been a superb player from the moment he footstep, first stepped through the door at Anfield and even now he's what 13 he's still scoring the goals still coming up big and you know if they're going to win the FA Cup if they're going to win the Champions League it's probably going to have a rather big say in it isn't it
3: Yeah, exactly. He really is the man of the moment with his Ballon d'Or charge. And I agree that it was a very positive display from Jota. Someone who's not necessarily the best in build-up play, but is much better today. But someone who struggled once again, Theo, is Mohamed Salah. Another mediocre. I don't want to be too harsh, because he obviously still is the best player in the Premier League. But he's not been brilliant as of late, has he, Salah? He's clearly struggling a bit.
4: Uh, I thought he showed glimpses when he came on tonight. He he could have scored with his first touch. I've seen he'd got away from, I think it was Concer, but then he just took a heavy touch when Concer was on the floor and Martinez has got it. It's just not quite falling for him and it's in complete contrast to the first half of the season when everything fell from him. When he touched the ball, all to do was breathe and it was in the back of the net. Now he's still two goals from open play since the middle of February and he's just not had a good second half of the season. He's now... Gone without scoring in more games than he scored in. And we've said all this stuff about what it could be. It could be uncertainty about his future. It could be fatigue because he's played so much football. And there was so many periods of extra time when he was away with um, Egypt. could be international heartache. He's missed out on the World Cup. He's missed out on winning the Africa Cup of Nations. And he's, what, 29, 30 in the summer? This is the peak years of his football and career. And next time those tournaments come around, he's going to you'd know, imagine slowly be on the decline. But then it would have been superhuman for him to carry on the rate of he was scoring goals in the first half of the season. Uh if he was in that form, he doesn't get benched tonight. I know Klopp likes to rest his players and have the legs ready when he's got these options there, but something's just not clicking for him at the moment. And I, I don't want it to be as simple as his future's uncertain, it's weighing on his mind, and like they agree a contract, he's fine, or he's, this is just Mohammed Salah we're gonna see until 2023, he he has played a lot of football and there are so many different parts that could be contributing to it. He's obviously got some weight on his shoulders, whatever it is. But then all players go through runs like this. We've seen it from Salah before. One minute he's scoring two, three goals a game. The next he'll go on a little bit of a goal-scoring drought. The the only difference to it when he's done it before is Liverpool now have Diaz who can come in. They have Jotter who can come in. They have the options where they can take him out the firing line a little bit. And we, we say it with him all the time. Write him off at your peril. But it's another game where he's not scored, but what are the odds of him scoring the winning goal either or stepping up and scoring the winning penalty against his former club at Wembley in the FA Cup final on Saturday? He's still that man for the big occasion. He's one where you don't want to drop him. Like I have just said with Mane, if Liverpool are going to win the FA Cup, if Liverpool are going to win the Champions League, or even if they're going to somehow win this Premier League title, he should have a big say in it. Uh, don't write him off yet, but he is long overdue uh, another run of goals, isn't he?
3: Well, exactly that. He is long of due, and it's perhaps not been the right game for him to come on tonight in a 2 know up. He's done a lot of tracking back for the ball, etc. And who knows, maybe on Saturday's FA Cup final bang a hat trick and shut all that up theo, won't he? But once again, my last question is that when we're in a position where we've played before City, we're relying on them to drop points again tomorrow. It's a tough game for them against Wolves, someone that we struggled against earlier this season with the Origi last-minute winner. Is there any hope for us tomorrow, Theo? It's my question again.
4: When they've struggled against Wolves in the past. We're talking about Man City, it's because they've had Adama Traore and he's at Barcelona. So I'm not feeling too <laughs> hopeful, to be honest, because he is the one who's been the one to cause them problems and be Liverpool's saviour in the past. They've still got pacey options. They've still got a bit of power, but they don't have him. Now, City just look like this juggernaut that always find a way to win these league games. They're so horribly consistent and now they'll have the boost of they've just spent 50, 60 million on a, one of the best strikers in the world. Not bad being top of the league without uh, a, a striker. Now we know they're going to have one next year on top of that. But stranger things have happened. We've said it as well with uh, Manchester United. They're falling fallen apart at the wrong time. Well, it's never really happened for at all this season, has it? But it means the race for Europe is still open. Like The focus is maybe on that race for top four. But Wolves can still finish seventh. They can still get into the Conference League. West Ham, who's the game after Wolves for uh, City, they can still finish sixth. They can still get into the Roper League. If they really want to get into Europe, if they're properly fighting for it, then they could cause an upset. But you need to see a side attack City. You need to see it take it to them, maybe get the opening goal or just frustrate them and do it really well. Um, Gorski said to me so many times during this game, if City were playing Villa, they'd probably win 4-0. They always seem to stroll to victories against the rest of the league, whereas Liverpool have to grind the wins out. It'd be nice if someone made it a little bit more difficult for them and made it more of a challenging title race. But we three games in, it's still a title race. Uh it's gonna be painful either way if Liverpool don't win it at this point. But then we're we'll probably resigned to the fact that it is a little too much to do, too late. Um, never give up hope, but it's not, is it? Let's yeah be pessimistic and then we can be pleasantly surprised if there is an upset. That's my That's motto. That's exactly what
3: I was <laughs> gonna say, be pessimistic and then we can be delighted with any outcome because Wolves themselves are chasing that last European spot. It's a midweek evening kickoff. I'm not sure how many of them they do get at Molyneux. So, fingers crossed for a big upset. Yeah, it could be a good atmosphere because Molyneux (laughs) is good under those lights. We'll see. Exactly. Maybe a 4-0 win for Wolves would do us an absolute favour and send us (laughs) top. We'll have to wait until tomorrow to know the outcome of that.
0: The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
5: Hi, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. Wow. This team the relentless, ruthless reds, the Rambo reds, the Rocky reds, toughing it out when necessary, silkily skilled when required. The get-the-job-done reds, three more massive, juicy points then in our already laden shopping bag. I hated their first goal. Watkins was clearly offside, as plain as David Moyes' favourite biscuit, and had Alisson let the ball in instead of pulling off a marvellous save, Villa wouldn't have had the ball back with our defence so deep, and we would not have conceded. But what a reply from our delicious lads, hey? Joel Matip, who was magnificent again in defence and when starting attacks from deep, scored a bloodthirsty finish. I loved it. Classic Vampire Reds magic. After that, once Fabinho had limped off and were all praying for you, big guy, both sides had chances. Cater. Etc., etc. You know, you watched it. I would just like to use this space to express my deep and heartfelt gratitude for the spirit of this team. They really do play like we wish we could, as in, coupled with their unique brilliance on and off the ball, there is a hunger in their bellies that just won't be satisfied until victory is served. And what a gloriously pithy, fleshy victory we witnessed tonight. Enough fruity genius to make a nutritious smoothie. This is Owen from Copland Podcast, asking, has anyone got any cups?
6: Mike Holt from Go In The Match Podcast with my review on Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 2. Um, three points there for the Red Men that we couldn't get at the weekend, unfortunately. But we've done the job tonight. Um, and and going into this fixture, I think we were all of the same agreement that we weren't really asked about the performance that much. It was literally just get in there, uh, get three points, and get out. Um, and for the last half an hour of that game, it was looking like we weren't going to do it. Um, it was looking a bit touch and go. Um, Obviously, we go into the game with uh, a change in the starting 11, which I absolutely welcomed 100%. Um, I think we really needed a few changes in that starting 11. Um, Simicast being one. Um, Salah also coming out of the team. Uh, Diaz starting alongside Mane and Jota uh, in a midfield of Curtis Jones. Um, Fabino obviously goes off with an injury there, and Cater. Uh, um but obviously it was a bit of a mixed team, but it was just it's just I think that was needed. I really do. I don't think these boys can keep going. I don't think you can keep putting out the same eleven every you know, every other day when it feels like these games are at the moment. Um, especially with an FA Cup final coming up. So I think Klopp got that one bang on tonight. Um obviously the game doesn't start as we'd hoped. Villa really did put us under the cosh Um when they go one-nil up. Um Suspect really because potentially it was offside. Well, it wasn't potentially it was offside in, in the build up, um, and obviously the ref hasn't hasn't cottoned on to that. Um, and then they the second phase of that play, they go and score from Douglas Lu, um Louise. Um, but you know straight away we we come back with um, Matt Up's goal. A bit scrappy to be honest. Um, but you know we take them all the same. And sometimes it's quite nice just just have a bit of a scrappy goal in the box and. You know that was purely just from fighting, um, more than from technique or anything, anything like that. Um, so you know, obviously we got ourselves back into the game straight away, which I think helped calm the atmosphere down on the ground. You know, it didn't give uh, the Villa fans chance to, to keep pushing their team forward, um, which I think was really important for the Reds. Um, but first half we weren't good. We weren't. We were very good at all. Um. We just didn't look dynamic enough. We didn't look like we were posing much of a threat. Um, I think Gerrard set his team up well in the first half to pin the long balls and behind the back four. You know, they weren't really trying to play through us. They didn't really have any width. They were just playing the long balls through to try and get Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins through. And it, f- a few times it worked, but <clears throat> sometimes our offside travel, so caught them off. Um but I think that tactic did work in the first half and we just managed to keep them out. Second half, obviously we to be honest, up until the hour market, nothing really changed too much. I think the substitutions worked a treat and um, with Curtis Jones coming off. Uh Thiago coming on. Um I think that was a welcome substitution as well. Um and from that obviously we get the second goal. Um Luis Diaz who was unbelievable all night. Um Obviously, gets that cross into Manny, who doesn't really have to put any power on it. He just needs to guide it into the bottom corner, but it was a brilliant finish all the same. Um, and you know, he was—I thought he was magnificent. I know we got man of the match all night on, on the night, um, but mine goes to Trent Alexander-Arnold, who, to be honest, for me tonight, he looked like um, he, he sort of grabbed the, ne- the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, you could tell his frustration, you know, he was coming inside in midfield and wanting to really, he was really wanting to grab the 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 cusp of the game and grab the game by the scruff of the neck, almost like a yeah, a certain person in the opposition dugout did um, for us many years ago and I think he was man of the match for me tonight, I don't think he'll probably get the applauded, for, but he was really trying to get stuck in and get the momentum going and I know Mane will get it because he was amazing, but I thought Trent was, was on another level tonight. Um, maybe a little bit of frustration there, given his performance against Spurs as well. But I thought Simicast had a really good game tonight. Um, I know the first 10 minutes he started really shaky. Um, probably didn't help himself with a goal that was conceded. But from then on in, I thought he was really good, especially in the um, the last half an hour of, of the second half. I thought he was superb getting forward. Yeah. Um, Van Dijk uh, and Matip. Matip's just unbelievable, isn't he? Every time you watch him, he's so calm on the ball. There's not many centre-halves I've, I've seen in Europe who will come out with the back with the with the ball that he does and the confidence he's got in his own dribbling. He's amazing. Um, his, and the midfield, Naby Keita didn't really impress me tonight, if I'm, if I'm quite honest. I'm surprised he stayed on the whole game, but I'm going to hazard a guess that was because they were hoping that he's probably not going to start the FA Cup final. Looks like he might have to now with Fabino's injury. Um, but I don't think Naby was brilliant tonight. And touching on Fabino's injury, there hopefully he isn't out for too long. Um, looked like he was holding his hamstring, so hopefully they've picked up that injury before it's got you know any worse. Um, so we'll see on that. But obviously Henderson comes in for him. Um, Curtis Jones, I felt a bit sorry for Curtis Jones in the first half because he was picking up little pockets of spaces, but he wasn't getting the ball lots. I think in the last 10 minutes of the second half, he came into his own a lot more. But, yeah, tough tough game for him tonight. But I, I, I think he he was finding in the right spaces. He just wasn't getting enough of the ball distributed to him. And obviously, Thiago comes on. I thought he was really good to help control the game. Front three, Diaz, I thought he was exceptional. You know, it's almost like watching Luis Suarez again, this sort of tenacious South American attitude he has. Never, you know, never die attitude i thought he was superb again jota uh, first half i thought he was sort of non-existent if i'm quite honest in the second half he he did well to hold the ball up for us and get us into the second into the um opposition's half uh, and obviously he touched on Mane there who i thought it was unbelievable um obviously gets the, the winner salad quiet when he came on i uh, looked a bit frustrated to be honest so hopefully he can take that anger into the fa cup final on saturday but like i say the main thing was tonight just get the three points and get out of there after Saturday. Um, City play tomorrow, quarter past eight, at Molyneux, you know, under the lights. That's not going to be an easy game for them. Um, as much as I do feel like they probably will come away with three points, you know, the, the only thing we could do tonight is put the pressure on them. And that's exactly what we've done. Um, and as Liverpool fans, we've just got to keep going in this league. Keep picking the three points up. Hope, hopefully City will drop points somewhere on the line. We've got an FA Cup final to look forward to and a Champions League final to look forward to. It's not bad being in red at the moment.
7: Massive result for Liverpool, really, at Aston Villa. And one, when I looked ahead at the calendar, I always seen it as being a really tricky fixture. I just thought the fate might have added that Gerard Coutinho might have ended Liverpool's title run, the irony of it. And I always fancy Liverpool to win all home games. And that's why... Although Tottenham were obviously the best side that Liverpool could face in the remaining fixtures and the most dangerous side, not only with the players they have, but stylistically they could hurt Liverpool, I always felt Liverpool would win their home games and that's why it came as still a bit of a surprise to me that they couldn't obviously beat Tottenham over the weekend. And I always looked at some of the away games as being potentially more difficult. Liverpool can lose control in some football matches away from home and I just felt that within them spells when they do lose control, sometimes... I felt that was where they may be their most vulnerable. And obviously Liverpool massively lost control in the first period today and went a goal down, but a really good response to to equalise so early and not let the game be in a position where Aston Villa were able to gain more confidence. Obviously Villa still had chances after that period, but so did Liverpool. And arguably it could have gone either way in the first half. But Liverpool... In the second half he gained, obviously the control of the game and then went on to win the game and again not playing particularly well within the fixture and that again shows just how good this side are, how mentally strong they are, how are they are able to win games in different ways. They can win games with domination in terms of long spells of possession, they can counter-attack, they can be dogged, they can come out in a fight in a game in which it can swing either way. Liverpool seem to find a way with their firepower to get over the line. And that was that was the case in this game where obviously in a second half win which Liverpool didn't really produce much in terms of clear cut chances. There were opportunities in terms of poor decision making in the final phase. But in terms of clear cut chances, Manny took one of the few that presented itself to to give Liverpool a points, so And obviously been a position where I think it would have been a massive disappointment an anti-climax if they were to get to a stage where Manchester City were able to win at a counter with nothing really on the game. So the fact that Liverpool have been able to do that with Manchester City going into these two away games, I think was important. I think it was important to end the league campaign in that manner, if it is to be an unsuccessful one in terms of the overall outcome, which we obviously will, we wait to see. And within the game in that first half, obviously Liverpool lost Fabinho, who's a massive player for Liverpool. Didn't play particularly well, actually, in the first half. Had a, had a game... Uh, reminiscence of, of a fixture the other week in which he had a, a terrible performance against Manchester City at the Etihad, but in general is a very valuable player for Liverpool. And I've mentioned before, obviously not just in building the game from deeper areas, but also most importantly in the way Liverpool are able to suffocate the opposition in their own half. And he manages such small spaces when the team are in compact distances and is able to, able to hoover up most of what the opposition tries to do when they attempt to play out through Liverpool. And that is where you really see Fabinho excel, that is his massive world-class trait to be able to manage them small spaces, intercept, physically dominate opponents, read and intercept within them areas and put Liverpool back on the front foot. And I always use that word sort of hoover everything up and I think it's, it's a good word, a good descriptive word to use for what he does when Liverpool are at the best. And when the pressure in the final third is at at its most organised for Liverpool, he is such a massive figure in that. However, Liverpool obviously have the captain, Jordan Henderson, to come into that role. And I've always felt that Henderson was very, very good in that role. I think it's a position, there's no doubt that he is one of the top players in that position within the league. Obviously, it was just highlighted that Fabinho was that next level when he obviously came in and started playing at the peak of his powers as he has done for the last few years in that skill set that I've just mentioned. But in terms of giving rhythm to the game in Henderson and deeper areas, he's an excellent player, able to recycle possession, circulate the ball, play forward when required. So he's a, he's a player who understands how many touches of the ball he needs to take in any particular area, when he needs to speed up or slow down the game and is a a very, very important option to have, and obviously he'll slot into that deeper role. And I think, obviously, there's been some criticism of Henderson in that inside right position, the the position alongside the deeper position that he's played for the majority of his career. And I think there's no doubt that his performance has not been at the optimum level that some of his previous seasons have been. And some of his decision-making and the way he has uh, given away possession have not been what I would have always seen Henderson as being in the previous seasons. He was always a very accurate pass at a player who made good decisions. But obviously operating in them higher areas, which he's had to do slightly more this season, with having a little bit of an advanced role on that right-hand side and rotating positions with Solara and Alexander-Arnold, has seen him working in areas which require you to have less space and time to be able to make decisions and execute passes. And obviously playing in that deeper area, maybe at this stage in Henderson's career, obviously being able to have the ball with a lot less pressure, be able to see the game in front of him. I actually feel that it could be his actual best position now going forward for Liverpool. What that means, obviously, when Fabinho's fit and, and how much game time the end gets from there, it remains to be seen. But obviously heading into 31 years of age, he could easily make that transition as a player who plays in that deeper position. And obviously, it's so valuable to Liverpool because he's the only real player within the squad who can do that job in Fabinho's absence. Obviously, Alden was a player who was a chameleon-like in that sense. He could operate in all kinds of different areas in that midfield for Liverpool, but no one quite has that skill set to operate in front of the, the back line as a single holding player. Obviously, Thiago's done it at different clubs as part of a two, but in terms of the physicality, you would need to play in that holding position. That is not really his Suitability, and we obviously seen that when he first came to Liverpool and, and played a couple of games in that role. So, although for will be a big miss for the cup final and maybe for the games after, I mean, when you're talking about a hamstring muscle injury, you would expect that it's going to be touch and go for him for his final fixtures, depending on the severity of the uh, the grade of the tear, I suppose. Or pull. And the second thing, obviously, to come out of the game, and it's just been circulating in terms of some of the information this week, is that Bayern Munich seem to be, interested in in Sadio Mane, how much legs that kind of rumour has got remains to be seen. However, a player who's still massively productive for Liverpool and massively important, we've talked about, obviously, his change of roles from coming in on the the right-hand side for Liverpool when Salah then signed, he moved to the left-hand side, now operating in the central position of Liverpool, Liverpool's attack, and he's so flexible, so versatile, and can hurt you in many different ways. Obviously, he's got the physicality, he's got the the pace to be able to move in behind, and obviously can also operate in in deeper areas, lower areas on the pitch and combine. Now, I still think Roberto Firmino will be a massive player for Liverpool in these last few games, because again, within today's game, I've seen elements of Liverpool trying to combine in that final third, and although Mane can do the job, he doesn't have that. Skill set of awareness that Firmino has to be able to drop off and see pictures, and take the required amount of touches at, at the elite. I'm talking about the actual elite level to be able to play that position. Obviously, Manny brings different things to the fold. Obviously, much more of a goal threat in many different ways, as as I've just explained. However, I do believe if Liverpool is to lose control in some of these most crucial games coming into the end of the season, I do think that option. Of Firmino will still be massive for Liverpool and can still be a massive player for Liverpool in the future. I don't think it's it's one where I would look at discarding Firmino by any by any stretch of the imagination. And the reason I say that is because obviously that factored in s future. There's a lot of things that obviously could be a factor in determining if he stays at Liverpool. And one of the ones for me is I think when you look at Liverpool's forward line, we've seen again today Luis Diaz operating on the right hand side which is obviously not a natural position for him obviously he's a right footed player who prefers to come in from the left hand side much like Manny and Diogo Giotta and Liverpool only really have Salah who does that on the opposite side obviously coming in on his right foot I know they've got players in Harvey Elliott Kate Gordon a bit younger in obviously their careers Harvey Elliott not really with the, the, the pace to play in that forward line, hence why he was sort of put into a central role in, in Klopp's formation. I, I don't really know too much about what Gordon looks like at this time, but it's far too early for him. So, Liverpool definitely have a balance problem when Salah doesn't play. Now, we know he doesn't often not play, but it does mean the makeup of the side is left that you're you'd you'd essentially having Diogo Giotta, Roberto Firmino, Sadio Mane and Luis Diaz all competing. For either the left hand side or central spot, obviously for me, you know, only the central spot. And Manny's future for me will depend on does Klopp see him playing that central role for a, a good next two years, or does he see him as a really good option at this moment in time, who is acting as uh, a crossover period for when he can buy what he would perceive as his next central player? Does he see that in Jota, for example? Does he see that? In Firmino staying for an per- extended period of time. It all depends on that for me. Is this a short-term fix for money, or does he actually see him playing at that elite level through the middle for a longer period of time? Obviously, it's also going to be linked to Salah's future, Firmino's future, so there's a lot of moving parts, and it's very hard to sort of get your heads around which way it might go, I suppose, one might have a domino effect in, in what happens to the other players, because obviously on the surface, man, he's massively a player you'd want to keep. He's been a fantastic player for Liverpool and still operating at an elite level. But coming on to 30, 31 years of age, whichever he might be, I think he's 30, um, at this moment in time, I think it'll be interesting to see what his long-term future holds if Liverpool get a decent offer with the final year of his contract, despite how valuable importance he still is and I think one of the reasons for that is just that lopsidedness of how Liverpool currently have players who fit into that forward line now we know Manny's operated on the right hand side at the start of his Liverpool career but it's a long time since that and every time there's an option to play another player down that right hand side it doesn't appear to be Mane so I think that's that's essentially what it comes down to the futures of other players, but also how he sees is this a long term fit for him in that central role? Because Diaz is definitely going to be the players down the left hand side, I feel, for the next few seasons, such as his absolute unbelievable quality and the cross again today, the way he dug it out. Magnificent, magnificent header from Manny, which ultimately gets Liverpool the points which keeps the title race uh, not alive, but still with things to the play for, dependent on how City get on. <laughs>
0: You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.